0: Well, hey, everybody, good morning uh, today, wherever you find the self, yourself watching uh, this, whatever day it may be. Uh, I just want to welcome you. It's good to see you. I have something today to share that I think can be extremely helpful to you and uh, your family. So if you have your Bibles, let's just jump into it today. If You're following along maybe through the Bible app, or I think they're going to put it on the screen. But I want to look th- today in uh, the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to look at 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16. A lot of us, uh, if you've been in church for any length of time, you know the story of David. And many of many people know him for uh, defeating the giant Goliath, right? But his story didn't start just in taking on giants. It actually started quite different. I want to read a little bit of this today and kind of center some of our uh, our, our conversation around it today. First Samuel chapter 16. It says this, as the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? He says this, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will surely kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you, a cow with you, and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I'll show you what to do. You are to to anoint for me the one that I indicate. Verse 4 says... Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? And he responded, yes, I come in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come to sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Key on this part. Listen to this. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at what people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verse eight says this, then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by and Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these the only sons that you have? And Jesse responds and says, he says, there is still the youngest, Jesse answered, he's tending to the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. When you look back on your life, I want you to think about something with me. I don't know if you ever stop and think about this, but do you have a time in your past, in your history, where you think to yourself, man, those, those were the, the, the good old days. Now, if you're anything like me, like I'm one of those guys, like I believe the good old days are still ahead. Like I believe our best days are still to come. But I'd be lying to you if I don't look back on times in my life and think, man, that was just one of those times in life that just seemed like almost just like magical. Like there was just something about it where if you, if you could transport me back into, into my shoes during that phase of my life, I would think, Life's always going to be like this. It seemed like everybody you were around was on the same page. The things that you were doing were so life-giving. Everything about that moment, when you look back, man, those were the good old days. And you think, there's no way that this could ever change. There's no way that these people that I value, that I love, that I care about, that love me, that value, that care about me, would ever leave my life. That our lives would ever change beyond anything besides this. And yet, when you think about your life today, how much the times have changed. When you think about life, this is really the essence of what life is, isn't it? It's it's an evolution of continual change. You can't stop it. it. When's the last time you talked to somebody and they didn't tell you, oh, we just kind of been going through a transition, just kind of working through change, just kind of getting things recalibrated, getting ready for something new? Because this is literally the essence of life. This is why a lot of times when you watch or you listen, or you come to this space, we talk, we coach a lot on this principle about helping people to find stability in, a midst, in the midst of a world that is ever-changing because here's the thing about transition. Here's the thing about change. Here's the thing about when we go through a crisis in our world and it seems like everything is suddenly different. It's not always easy. Change is not easy, and it's that much more difficult when the change that you're encountering seems to be negative. Don't you know, I mean, if there's anything that I found out, it's so easy to go bad when life goes bad. When life goes bad, it is so easy just to, just to let it all go and go bad go bad with it in fact when you go through change and transition there's something about it that causes you not to just question like the situation that you're facing it's the weirdest oddest thing it actually causes you to question yourself it's not as much of an existential crisis of is God real God where are you it's like we filtered through those really the questions that we ask are who am I Do I still matter now that there's been a change now that there's been a shift now that everything that I've ever known Suddenly looks different. What part do I have to play? Do I still have a business? Do I still have a family? Do I still have significance? Do I still matter? There's something about a shift That always causes me to question my significance. I want to say that again. I want you to listen to it There's something about any kind of shift in life that causes you to question your significance This is nothing new You know this. When somebody goes from being young to being a little bit older, what do they do? There's a shift, and they question their significance. Am I still relevant? Do I still have something to contribute? When somebody uh, maybe has raised their kids, and their kids now are out of their house, what happens? The empty nest syndrome. All I ever knew was raising my kids. That's what I got used to. Do I still have significance? Do I still matter? Somebody who works really hard, and they get to a place where they're finally ready to retire. And what happens? Uh, do I still matter? Who am I now that everything that I know has changed? Whenever there's a shift, I question my significance. Who am I? What does this mean for me? And I don't know about you, but when, you, when you're dealing with this identity crisis, you are on the prowl for answers. You're going every which way trying to figure out, I need to know who I am. I need to know who I am. I need to know who I am. Can somebody tell me who I am? And we have this tendency when we feel this pressure internally, not about the world just around us, but I'm talking about on the inside of your heart. When you lay your pel- head down on your pillow at the end of the day and you, and you question, am I doing the right thing? Am I- do do-, do I-, I still, am I still going to have a life? Am I still going to have a business? Am I still going to have a family? When I'm searching for these answers, I have this tendency to try to get affirmation. I have this tendency to try to get confirmation from the really people around me. This is the first place that we turn. Whenever we experience a shift, we question our significance and there's something about humanity that we look to people to tell us who we are. When we pick up this story, we have seven sons brought by their father, paraded before uh, somebody because there's been a shift. There's been a shift in their world. There was an opening for king and anytime there is a shift, people question their significance. And what's weird about it, is it doesn't just affect the person that that is affected by the situation. It affects everybody. If there's one thing that I've seen growing up in my parents' house, growing up in this church, any time that somebody in leadership would leave the church or there would be a transition, something like this of, this of this nature, it's always been the strangest thing to me because it wouldn't just affect the person. Everybody around would somehow start asking the question, well, what does this mean for me? Maybe I'm not supposed to be here. Who, who? It's this it's this continual question of who am I? These sons are being paraded before Samuel, and really this is the question that They're asking, who, who, who am I in the midst of this change? Who am I? Am I king? D- do I matter? Do, do I have significance? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for my life? What does this mean for my livelihood? When we question who we are, when we're in the midst of an identity crisis, there's something about humanity that we turn to people for them to tell us who we are because people have always told us who we are. You're going to be just like you're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. You're just like your grandfather. One day you're going to be a great teacher just like your mom is a teacher. Me? Great teacher just like my mom is? Yeah, you're going to be a great teacher just like, but I don't really like teaching. But you're, you're going to be a great teacher just like your mom was. But I'm kind of into art and I'm into science and I just, want, I just want to read. I want to grow up and I just want to be a mom that takes, you know, you, know you, you listen to me, you mark my words, you're going to be a teacher. We look to people because people have always, tried to tell us who we are but the thing about people is people don't know who you are in fact that's the essence of what this text is communicating in part of the scripture he says God says to Samuel he says here's what people do people look at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart this is why one of the worst things that you can do when you're in crisis mode when there's been a shift and you're searching for your significance to try to get people to tell you who you are because people can't tell you who you are and it's not to shame them It's not to fault them. People can only see what they can see. People can only see the things that they have seen. And when you're counting on people to tell you who you are in the midst of a crisis, to give you advice, what should I do? What should I do? Where should I go? Can somebody counsel me? When you're counting on people to tell you who you are in the midst of a crisis, almost always people will tell you everything that you're not. Think about it. Boy, come stand out here and you parade yourself before me. Uh, no, not it. Not it. Next. Next. Okay, go ahead. Turn around. Let me see. What has it got? No, n- not, not it. Could you imagine being these young boys being paraded before Samuel? They don't get to hear the conversation between Samuel and God. All they have to hear, all they get to hear is not it. How much of your life have you heard from people? Not it. You're not qualified to be that. You're not qualified to do that. You don't come from the right side of the tracks. You don't have the right skin color. You don't come from the right right pedigree. You don't have the right background. People like us don't end up like people like them. How much of your life have you endured people telling you not it and sacrificed who you were supposed to be on the altar of what other people told you that you could be? People don't know who you are because people, people did not create your identity. What's interesting about this story is Samuel is not here to give these boys their identity. Samuel is here to to anoint their authenticity. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a major difference. Samuel's not here to tell you who you are and who you're qualified to be, people in your life, are not here to tell you who you are and who you are qualified to be. Samuel has been brought in to anoint authenticity. What, what am I talking about? It's it's David's authenticity that qualifies him to be chosen out of out of eight other brothers, to be chosen as king and, so, and, and to say, you're going to become the king. It, it, it wasn't the fact that he was standing in line searching for who he, he knew who he was because it, it's always authenticity that brings an, an, an anointing. What, what am I talking about? In your life. When you're going through an identity crisis, can I tell you today, you don't need affirmation. You don't need confirmation. You know what you really need in your life? You know the thing that you're really searching for to help you break through in your business, to break through in your family, to break through in your relationships? What you're really looking for, what you're really craving is an anointing. What is, what is the anointing? Uh, the, the anointing, the way I was taught it, that it it's the, the yoke-destroying, burden-removing power. It's the power of God. It has this ability. It's, you know what it is? It's the it factor. It's the thing that we talk about in our world, in our society, as the it factor. It's that thing that when people are are unapologetically them, you feel something. It does something on the inside of you. I was talking with a famous Broadway singer one time, and she says, my goal when I get up and when I sing, I want the words that come out of my mouth. When I begin to sing the songs that I sing, I want it to dive into the soul of somebody. I want to move things around on the inside, and all of us know what this feels like. When you hear a singer or you hear an artist or you hear someone speak or you experience a conversation with someone in business, when you, when you find that one babysitter that is absolutely perfect at taking care of your kids, you don't just see what they do, you feel what they do. What is that? That's an anointing. What does the anointing do? It, it moves things. It shifts things. Well, where does the anointing come from? Anointing always follows Authenticity. At some point in your life, and I, I want I want to time out to, to, to tell you today, at some point in your life, you're gonna have to move past the intellectual rhetoric understanding that, oh, I just don't care what people think, and you're gonna have to start living like it. You don't need people's permission to be you. You don't need people's permission to be the person that God has called you to be. In fact, the thing that you're looking for in this moment as things have shifted and you begin to question your significance is not slipping into a new mold. No, it's diving into the authenticity of who God has called me to be because that's where I find the anointing. That's where I find the thing, the it factor, the ability to break what, what opened the doors. I really can't tell you what opened the doors. I would like to make up a process that opened the doors, but really it was the anointing of God on me. Nobody would have thought that David would be, shepherd boys don't qualify to be kings, but you'd never seen what's in this shepherd boy. People don't know what's on the inside of you. I dare you to be you. I dare you to tap into the God person that God has made you. I dare you to stop apologizing and making excuses for all of the reasons that you can't be the authentic person that God has called you to be. I'm talking to stay-at-home moms that Think to yourself, I could never because I'm in this position. I'm here to tell you, you have authenticity on the inside of you. And it doesn't matter the judgment of family members. It doesn't matter the judgment of society. It doesn't matter the judgment of people around you. The key to you accessing the life that God destined for you before he put your two feet on the face of this planet is you being unapologetic about your authenticity. Because when you're unapologetic about who I am, all of a sudden God puts an anointing on me. And what does that anointing do? It starts unlocking things. It starts opening doors. It makes life fun again. It starts making life energetic again. It gives you that thing about the good old days. What was it about the good old days? You weren't worried about the pressure. You weren't worried about the money. You weren't worried about the likes. You weren't worried about the fame. You were just excited to be alive. You were tapping into into the well of who I am and who God has made me to be. And we're going through an identity crisis. We look to people, but people don't know who you are. Whenever there's a shift, I question my significance. I look to people. And if I'm not looking to people, you know where I'm looking? I'm looking? I'm looking to the palace. What am I talking about? Seven boys lined up because I hear there's an opportunity. I hear there's an opening in the kingdom. I hear there's a chance for, for maybe for, 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 me to, for me to be king. I hear now there's, now there's an opportunity, now there's a trajectory. Now there might be a system, now there might be a structure, now there might be a pattern. If I can ever do the right, now there's something that I can do, and if I could do it, then somehow I can get in the palace, and I've always known if I could ever get in the palace, that's where I could really be me. If I could ever get there, then I would be fully me, but who you are is not wrapped up in a palace. Who you are is wrapped up in the God potential. Hear me again. Who you are is not wrapped, it's not wrapped up in there. You can have all the money and all the fame and all the wisdom and have all the people and all the girls and all the boys, all the people screaming your name. But it is not going to scratch the itch of the thing that you're looking for that's going to give you the sense of self-worth. that ah, I'm here and I'm alive and my life means something. It's not going to answer the cosmic question of who am I because who you are is not wrapped up in a palace. Who you are is wrapped up in the potential of who you are on the inside, the person that you are on the inside. There's, there's not a form. Can I tell you something? It is not ingenuity that makes you a success. How many people do you know in the midst of this crisis, I need to get on a Zoom call. Can I get a Zoom meeting? Can somebody counsel me? Can somebody tell me what I need to do to get to the place that I want to be? Your success in life is not dependent upon your ingenuity. Your success, please hear me today, your success in life is dependent upon your authenticity. Your success in life, i got to say it again, it's not dependent upon your ingenuity. You can read all the books in the world, and you can come up with all of the formulas in the world, and you can think, oh, here's the trajectory, and if I ever go to school and just get this degree, then I'll get there. I'm here to tell you it's not wrapped up in ingenuity. It's wrapped up in authenticity because it's the thing that God anoints that then opens doors to get you to the place that he's called you to be. See, we, th- we think that there's a prescription for things. We misunderstood structure and strategy. We think that strategy is to, to make me successful. Strategy, you know what your strategy is? You know what game plans are? You know what we talk about all of these things that we have systems? Systems are not to, to get you success. You know what systems are? They're to steward the success that's already within you. What am I talking? When I understand what's in me, then it requires me to create systems and formulas and patterns and disciplines so that I can steward the God gift that's within me. I can prove it to you. This is why you can read all the self-help b- books in the world and they don't work for you. How come you read all the books in the world but you don't have the same success rate as the author? Why is that? Why is it that you can read all of the books and yet you don't have the same success rate as the author? Because it really, it really wasn't the strategy that made them successful. <laughs> What am, I, what am I talking about? It's, it's, not the, it's not the strategies of Apple that made Apple successful. It's not the strategies of, oh, we have a really great iPhone, we have really great products, and if we do this and this really great, we have a minimalistic style in our branding. And that's, no, 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 it's not, that's not what made them successful. You know what made them successful? A, a man named Steve Jobs. A man who was devoted to authenticity. And when you're committed to authenticity, what happens? There's an anointing on your life. There's, there, this is why the Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance. He doesn't take them back. It doesn't mean, well, I'm a Christian. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. When you, when you buy into the principle of authenticity, you start operating in a God factor that you have not ever seen before. What, what makes Walt Disney, Walt, Walt Disney World, Walt Disney World? What makes Disneyland Disneyland? It's not, oh, we take care of our employees and we have all these strategies. You could take all those same strategies. And can I tell you something? You wouldn't have a product as good as Disneyland. Because it's not about Disneyland. It's about, it's about the seed of authenticity that was birthed in the man by the name of Walt Disney. And when you own the authenticity, when you can stand in the face of adversity and people tell you there's no need for a product like that, but I know what's on the inside of me. I know what God has called me to. I know the thing that when I wake up in the morning, it's like fire that's shut up in my bones and I don't know how to, how to escape it. When you tap into who you are, it's not your ingenuity. It's not your game plan. It's not your strategy. No, at some point, at some point it still dives back to authenticity. Authenticity then requires that I create strategy to steward the gift that God has placed on the inside of me. See, the greatest God plans that can't be devised. <laughs> the greatest God plans cannot be devised. The greatest God plans always catch you by surprise. Think about that. The great <laughs> This is why the people who are the greats, they can't even. I was listening the other day to T.D. Jakes, and he's talking about writing this. He's one of the greatest communicators of all time, one of the greatest preachers of all time. He's like, I'm writing this book. It's the hardest book that I've ever written because people always ask me, like, how do I see what I see in Scripture? And he says, it's like trying to ask your grandmother how she, how she makes that special cobbler, that special pie. It's like trying to take something that has a little bit of magic to it and simplify it down to a process, but it's not really the process. It comes from a deeper place. I'm here to tell you today, I, 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 wish that, I wish that you would go back. I would wish that you would go back and you would find the real you before you start, started being everything that you thought that you had to be. I, th- I, I wish you could go back and start being the you that was just authentically you before you started being the person that everybody wanted you to be, before you changed your sense of humor because they didn't think your jokes were funny, before you changed your style because it didn't fit into the brand. Sometimes I just miss the old me. Sometimes I just miss the old me that had to go for walks and pray to God because there wasn't a system and it wasn't some sort of structured oriented way. And I just knew that if I prayed that somehow God would do something and i before somebody told me you don't need to do all that. I wish I could go back to the person that that craved the presence of God that I wanted to get goosebumps. I wanted to feel God before somebody told me you didn't need to feel him for him to be real. Okay, I guess that. I wish that you would go back to authenticity. I wish that you would go back to, to making music and making art before it was about the fame and before people told you that you can't make money in that type of vocation. I wish business owner and business leader that you would go back to the real you. The you that you got that pit in your stomach. You had that thing in your gut that just made you know it didn't seem smart and it didn't make sense to everybody else but you knew. I knew that I knew that I knew that God was doing something deep on the inside of me. Sometimes I just miss the all me. I dare some of you to go back to some old things. The Bible says you can't take new wine and put it into old wineskins unless the wineskin would break but if you could ever learn how to take some old wine and put it into some new wineskins. If you could ever learn to take the authenticity the anointed thing and converted into 2020 converted into post coronavirus converted into this new season if you could ever remember who you are what am i talking about yeah yeah whenever there's a shift there's an opportunity but it's not an opportunity to be seduced into another system no you know what it's an opportunity for to get back to your authenticity you know what the opportunity is? It's an opportunity to let go of all the rhetoric of the world that says you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to fit into this box in order to be successful. It's an opportunity to say, I don't need all that. What I need is the seed that God placed in me before he put me on the face of this earth. I wish I could go back to being me. dare you to go back to being you. I dare you, rather than game planning and in this midst of questioning your significance, who am I, rather than turning to people for people to tell you who you are, rather than looking to the palace and looking for a process to make you be able to rebound and come out of this, I dare you to just get back to being you. We talk about the identity crisis of Samuel's sons. But I think the the real identity crisis has to be be in, in Samuel. Because Samuel was the one who, anointed Saul as king. And that's this big shift. The shift is God's anointed, who is Saul, who is supposed to be king, is no longer able to be king. And in fact, when we started this text, God comes to, to Samuel, and he says, Samuel, how long are you going to mourn? Why is Samuel mourning? Because can I tell you, there is, it's, it's one thing to fight for something you really want. It's another thing to fight for something spiritually. What am I talk, it's one thing to fight. You know, I wish that the loan would go through. I, I really wanted to, to win that sweepstakes, I really wanted to do this, I really was hoping that I would get that But it's another thing to contend for something spiritually, and it seemed like it doesn't work. It's one thing to be believing for God to turn around things in your family, and year after year after year, it's the same. It's one thing to contend for your business when you know that God called you to do it, and it just seems like it's tanking, it just seems like it's not working out. It's one thing to fight, it's another thing to fight spiritually. And here Samuel finds himself mourning. Because the thing that he thought, I thought God was going to do it this way. I know I hear, I know I heard God. Something wrong with me? Who, who am I? Do I not, do I not really, do I not really hear God? Am I not really working in tandem with God like I thought I was? Does God maybe not really care like I think he cared? How come it's not working? And God comes to Samuel, says, how long will you mourn after Saul? It's time to. To anoint a new king. See, here's, here's, here's the principle. Sometimes God's not going to do it through Saul. What am I talking about? There's some of us in this world, in this age, things have shifted, and we're thinking to ourselves, am I going to have a bit? Am I going to do? God's going to do, I know, I know we're going to rebound. And can I tell you, some of you, you're not going to rebound in the business that you're in right now. Can I tell some of you, some of you, the well that you have dug from and drank from is going to dry up. Sometimes God isn't going to fix Saul. You know why? Because Saul is complex, Saul is a person with his own desires and his own will and his own emotion. So God's not going to fix Saul. Sometimes God's not going to fix your situation, but he can give you a new situation. Did, did you hear what I said? Sometimes God's not going to fix it. Here's the reason. There's something about faith. There's something about standing for justice that we, we get our worth like tied to it. And we start thinking that we want. God, if God doesn't do it the way that I think God's nature should work, then God's not in the middle of it. But God is beyond your ideas of what his nature is. Can I remind you of that? And sometimes he's not going to do it the way that you want him to do it. Sometimes he's not going to work in the middle of the situation you want him to work in. He's just going to give you a new situation. Sometimes you want that relationship with your family members, with your kids. You, 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 you want it to be what you want it to be, but sometimes he's not going to fix it the way that you want to do it. Sometimes he's going to give you a new relationship. For some of you, you think to yourself, God, would you please fix the business? Can I, I, I'm shifting gears here a little bit. Some of you, you're thinking, Will you please make my business float? And I'm here to tell you it's time to get back to the authenticity on the inside of you because he's not going to do it through that business. He's going to do it through something new. There's, there's some of you, like I said, you have dug in well, dug wells in your past, and you think the significance comes from the well that you dug, but it wasn't the well that you dug. It was the motive with which you dug the well. This is why the Bible says that God, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. It wasn't the well that you dug. It was the thing in you that caused you to dig it. So, so, so what am I saying? There's some of you in this day and age, there's some of you right now that are questioning your worth. It is, it is imperative that you get back to who you are. It is imperative that you get back to the things that nobody else knows, but somehow you know it. Somehow you know. You know that you know that you know because you've seen it work, and it's deep on the inside of you. It's wrapped up in your identity, and where the identity is, where the authenticity is, there is your anointing. There is the thing that you need to be able to rebound. People thinking, how am I going to make this work? What does life look like in the future? I'm here to tell you the people who are unapologetically bent towards authenticity have nothing to worry about. If you are unapologetically you you have nothing to worry about. Why? Because you're tapping into the God purpose that God put you on the face of the planet for, and there is anointing that is accompanied with that, which means wherever you go, he goes. The yoke destroying, burden removing, power of God is kicking open doors, unlocking lock, bu- uh, unlocking lock busting through things that should not, ha- should not be broken through in your life today. You're gonna have to have the ability. For some of you, this next season is not gonna take great courage. It's gonna take great humility. What am I saying? You, you've, you're used to being the important person in the room. You're used to being the know-it-all. But for some of you, this next step is not going to take great courage. It's going to take great humility to say, okay, I'm going to let go of this thing, and I'm going to start building this thing. We were heading this direction, but you know what? We're going to start going in this direction because I got—I have to tap in. I can't be seduced by the system anymore because I've lost who I am. I can't be seduced by People who want to tell me who I'm supposed to. I can't be seduced by systems and processes and red—and that's all good. Have all those things, but do it to steward what God has placed in you. Not to accomplish some external goal that you think is going to make you happy. It's going to require great humility. This is the reason that Samuel doesn't want to go anoint David. He says, if I try to go anoint David, he says, he says that Saul's there and he'll kill me. He, the, going for the, the reason he won't go for the new thing is because he's af- afraid of the old thing. Because of the memories of the past, the memories of what didn't work out. I don't know what this looks like for you. I don't know what felt years have littered your past. I'm here to tell you today listen to me. Do not allow your history to keep you from God being able to write His story in your life. Do not allow the things that you have seen, the things that you have felt, the insecurities that you have because you feel like you're so missed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter who's done you wrong. It doesn't matter who you are offended by. It doesn't matter who you feel like has forgotten about you. God hasn't forgotten about you. And all the people that you're looking to for affirmation, they are not the source of, of, of your success. God is the source of your success because he's the one that put you on the planet in the first place. Have the courage to be you. Well, who am I? You already know. You already know. You already know who you are. Don't ask. Don't come asking me who you are today through this screen as we're talking. Who am I? You already know who you are. It's littered your, it's littered your past, it's littered your life. When you look back on your, on, on, on your process, there's been things that have come up that's so me. There was moments when you look back, those good old, what really made it, it was, it was this idea that I was, just, I was just me. That's where the freedom was. That's where the fun was. That's where life was enjoyable. That's where restoration happened. It didn't even feel like you were asking it. That's where all the provision came. And it just seemed like I, didn't even, I wasn't even searching for this provision. And somehow it showed up. Why? Because wherever there is authenticity, God gives his anointing. That's what you want. You ever watch those competition shows, American Idol, The Voice? People say, oh, he just got an it factor. What is it? It's the anointing. It's the, it's the anointing. When you do what you were put on the face of the planet to do. It moves things. It shifts things. It doesn't fit into everybody's box. Not everybody likes it. Not everybody approves of it. Can I say this to some of you, some of you business owners, some of you leaders? You have become so accustomed to giving everybody else a voice, and I think it's important, but you have sacrificed your authenticity of what God has called you to lead on the altar of giving everybody else a voice. So now you're surrounded by people One that you don't even like and they don't even really like you because you're not on the same page as it pertains to who you are. When you're authentic, you attract people that God has actually put things in them to come alongside you to accomplish the God task that God has placed on the inside. Why am I frustrated? Why why am why am I irritated? Because you stopped being you. And when you stopped being you, you started attracting people that weren't like you. So now you don't even like the people that are around you. They're not on the same page. They don't have the same mission, and they don't have the same vision because they signed up for their version of what they thought you were like, but they don't even know what you're really like. What am I talking about? For some of you, it's not going to take great courage. It's going to take great humility. Would you close your eyes wherever you're at, wherever you're watching this from? I, I just want, I want to free you today. I want to free you today. I, to, I want to just, with my words, just tell you, you need to stop apologizing for the person that God has made you to be. Everybody's going to have their opinion, folks. Everybody. Nobody's going to like everything that you do. Nobody's going to like. Not everybody's going to like your style. Not everybody's going to like your opinion. Can I tell you that's okay? They didn't put you here. There's a reason that God gave you that. There's a reason that God gave you that hunger and that drive for that thing. Not everybody has it. In fact, in the eyes of some people, that's not wisdom. That doesn't make any sense, but he put it on the inside of you. And I trust what God put on the inside of me, and I would trust what God put on the inside of you over the wisdom of man and humanity any day. He didn't call you to be seduced by a culture and to fit into a box. He didn't put you on this earth to blend in. He put you here to stand out, and I dare you to get back to it. I dare you to get back to the days where you had no frame of reference before you were comfortable, where you didn't have the, you didn't have the luxury of going online and looking how to build the business and looking how to build the church and learning how to find friends and influence people. I dare you to go back to days where you had to trust your God because that's what God was. That's where God was, where you couldn't find a book to tell you how, and you had to search for something greater. You had to look to providence and divinity. God, would you somehow help me? I know. Who am I? I don't need to be looking to you, and I don't need to be looking to you A game plan I need to be looking up. Who am I? Who did you make me to be? Would you anoint me? God, would you put your anointing upon me as I, com- as I com- commit, God, to radical authenticity, unapologetically me? Unapologetically, you. Unapologetically, everything God has called you to be. Whenever there's a shift, I question my significance. I have a tendency to look to people because people have always told me who I am. Can I tell you again? People don't know who you are. They only see what they have seen and what they see. They're not inside your mind. They're not inside your heart. You ever, t- you ever shared your dreams with somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Why? Because they're not on the inside. They don't get it like you get it. you got to trust your gut. You got to get back to who God has made you to be. This is how, why he finds David. David was just, I, I just, I don't know. I'm just, I just like being with the sheep. To, to, to assume that David was forgotten, I've heard that taught a lot, David was forgotten by his father. We have to assume a lot about Jesse. That if Jesse knew that there was an opportunity for his sons to become king, that he would have left one behind. What kind of father does that? Unless he knows, you know what, David wants nothing to do. I just, I know how David is. David is, David just wants to be a shepherd boy. And think about authenticity. When God anoints your authenticity, he shows you things that are in you that you didn't even know were in you. David didn't know he wanted to be king. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Start connecting the dots with me. Isn't it interesting then? The people that, oh, I want to be that, I want to be that. It seems like those people a lot of times don't end up being that. And then the stories that you hear, it's like, oh, I never really intended to be here. I just kind of ended up here. Why? Because when I commit to radical authenticity, God anoints me and shows me things that are in me that I didn't even know were in me. <laughs> Did you hear what I'm saying? The things that are the greatest things in your future, they're not wrapped up in a strategy, folks. They're wrapped up in authenticity. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. I hope this is connecting. Because the thing that I know is there's far too many people suicidal, anxious, overwhelmed. And I don't think because it's just the hustle and bustle of our world, and I don't think it's just because we have a lot of problems. We've always had problems think because they're being forced, they're choosing to live a life that is outside of authenticity. And with that life comes distress no man is capable of carrying. God, today, I ask that you would would grant us courage to embrace humility. Mm. Hear what I said, it's not going to take courage, it's going to take great humility. I ask that you would give us the courage to embrace humility. God, that we would be courageous in saying it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter who laughs. It doesn't matter who doesn't understand. It doesn't matter the fingers that are pointed. I know the answer to me finding me is just be relentlessly, unapologetically me. Because that's where I find the, annoy- that's where I find the it factor. That's where I find that, that wonder that thing where things just start clicking and I don't know. That's the thing when I get 50 years down the road and somebody says, could you write a book and tell me how you got here? And I say, okay, sure, here's some system. But really, really, there was a seed God placed in me. With your eyes closed, just right where you're at, I want to tell you that same seed is in you. You may not stand on the big platforms, but I'm telling you that feeling of I'm doing the thing, that it's in you. That thing of like, oh, the the wonder, the sense of how is this happening in my life? It's in you, but you're not going to tap into it by doing what people, you're you're not, some of you have sacrificed your passions because you just, you just don't, you you don't want to hear the disapproval of people that you care about. You don't want to stir the pot. And so mom at home with your kids, you sit depressed every single day, smiling like everything's okay when you're. You're dying on the inside. Because God's put something inside of you. He never intended to be squandered and squashed by well-meaning people who love you. But it's messy. It's complex. And I'm here to tell you, maybe your future won't look like you thought it would look. And maybe God's not going to work in the way that you want him to work. But he can do something new. He can do something new. I'm here to tell you to stop mourning. The day of mourning is over. I declare in your life the day of mourning is over. Rise your head, raise your head. I want it back. Raise your head and out of your mouth. I want it back. God, take me back to the place where I knew. I knew what you were saying and I didn't know because you spoke. It's in the innermost parts of my heart. I knew I want it back. Your days of mourning are over. It's time to lift your head. It's time to dig new wells. God has done some great things in your past, but I'm here to tell you there's greater things in your future. It's not wrapped up in a game plan. It's not wrapped up in the approvals of people. You're not going to find it in another Zoom meeting. You're going to find it in the authenticity. It's inside of you. It's inside of you. It's deep within the well of your heart. Dig another well. Dig another well. Dig another well. Dig another well. You can't have the relationship you want with your kids, but you can have a new relationship with your kids. Maybe your marriage can't be the way that you want it, but God can, God can do something new in your marriage. He can do something new. He can give you a new bit. He can give you a fresh lease on life. I'm talking to the person who is retired, and you just don't, you just don't really get it. I'm talking to the person who's lost a loved one, and your life just seems so mundane, and you feel like you have lost your purpose. You haven't lost your purpose. Your days of mourning are over. I'm just declaring your life, son, The sun once again is rising. The sun once again is rising. The sun once again is rising. God, would you help us? Would you help us as a church? Would you help us as people? Would you help us as a society? God, I believe that this word is so much bigger than just something that that you want to impact our church with. God, would it be like wildfire? God, that we would share it through systems of technology and streams of influence. That people would talk about it uh, in their conversations with people. As they work, even through technology, as they're on conversations with people that they run into, God on social media, through text platforms, that people would start stepping up and being unapologetically who you have called them to be. And I got, I asked God that things would begin to click, not because they're perfect. He wasn't, some of you need to hear this. God was not looking for perfection out of David. It was not the requirement at all. He just wanted authenticity. He doesn't need you to have all of your ducks in a row. He doesn't need you to say it right every time. You know, I don't, I'm just not a community. No, he doesn't need you to say it perfect every time. It's really- not your communication that makes it work. Do you get that? It's not you. It's not your smarts. It's not your ability. It's not your candor. It's not your ability to woo people and you're such a great networker. No! It's the anointing of God that's upon your authenticity. It's something that's deeper than that. God, let us awaken once again to who we are. We would find that in you. We would look back and say, yeah, that's just, I don't know. I know it don't make sense, but that's just me. Well, that doesn't make it. I know. I know it don't. But it works for me. And that's enough. That's enough. Hear me. Stop apologizing. Stop apologizing for the person God made you to be. No more. No more. No more. No more. Stop apologizing. Stop apologizing. Get back to it. Get back to it. Dig new wells. Dream new dreams. Be everything. Everything exhaust the God potential that's on the inside of your heart. Don't do it because people want you to do it. They say, "Well, that's not trendy anymore." I don't, I don't, I don't care what's trendy anymore. Since when did trendy make somebody a success? Huh? We look back and we think we're so so. Oh, it's the trend. It's not the trends. You know who orchestrated that? You know why all that works together? It works because some because there's some people that are smarter than everybody else, and they just decide, you know, I'm going to be me, whether anybody likes it or not. And guess guess what they set the trends. They set the trends. You know the opinions that you're seeking of people. You know where that comes from. Their authenticity. They don't have a. They don't have a, a special phone line to God or divine powers. No, it's their opinion. What if you could tap into the inside of you? I hear God. Well, I'm just a. I'm just a. Const- you hear God, Mister Construction Worker. You hear God, Stay-at-Home Mom. You hear God. You hear God. You hear God. Start believing and acting like it and walking like it and talking like it. Who am I? You already know who you are. Sometimes you just have a tendency to forget. God, help us to remember. All across this space, wherever you're watching, you've never made a decision to place your faith in Christ. You've never made a decision to believe in something bigger than yourself. This is where you find the the freedom to truly be you. The Bible says whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We don't believe, we just spend Life here on earth, we believe we spend eternity forever somewhere. I want to give you this opportunity to pray this out loud. It's real simple. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If your heart is compelling you to do so, would you pray this prayer with me, maybe just even under your breath, wherever you're watching from. Would you say, say, Jesus, today I believe in my heart and I say out of my mouth, you are the son of God. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you came back from the dead for me. Now say this part, immediately. I say, today I call you my Savior, and I make you my Lord. Say this. Say, help me to live the life that you made me to live. Now say this part. Would you mean it? Say, say, help me to be me. In Jesus' name, everybody set? Amen. Right now, the band's going to lead us in another song. Can we just open our hearts together? I believe even in this last song that you're going to sing, you're going to watch, you're going to observe. For some of you, don't even sing. Some of you may not even need to sing the words. For some of you, just opening your heart. Some of you just need a good cry. Some of you just need to let your emotions out. You've been so pent up with just frustration and anxiety of, "I I don't know where the answers are. They're within you. They're within you. They're within you. He gives, just, it's almost like when you get a package, right? Like from Ikea, remember how annoying those are? It's all the pieces. All the pieces are there. All the pieces are in you. He's placed them within you. When you start being ruthlessly and authentically you, you start piecing them together. His anointing comes. What is anointing? His anointing helps you put the pieces together. And all of a sudden you get, i didn't know, I didn't know it was going to look like this. I didn't know it was going to look like this. Your best days are still ahead. If you'll have the courage to embrace humility, dig new wells. Don't look to people for affirmation, confirmation. It's great if you have it, but if you don't, it's okay too. Don't look for the strategy, get you to the palace. It's within you. God, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.